హలో సానియా వెల్కమ్ టు డిడబ్ల్యూఎల్ టాక్స్ డూ విత్ లెట్ టాక్స్ విత్ గితికా ఐ ఆమ్ యువర్ హోస్ట్ అండ్ దోస్ట్ ఫర్ ద డే అండ్ ఐ వాస్ సూపర్ ఎక్సైటెడ్ టు టాక్ టు యూ అండ్ ఐ రిమెంబర్ విశ్వాస్ టెలింగ్ అస్ దట్ హూ విల్ గో ఫర్ దిస్ పాడ్కాస్ట్ అండ్ ఐ వాజ్ లైక్ ఐ వాంట్ టు డూ ఇట్ బికాస్ ఐ హ్యావ్ రెడ్ అబౌట్ ఇట్ అండ్ వన్ ఆఫ్ మై క్లోజ్ ఫ్రెండ్స్ హ్యాస్ గోన్ థ్రూ దిస్ ప్రాసెస్ ఐ వాంటెడ్ టు నో మోర్ అబౌట్ దిస్ అండ్ దెన్ ఐ రెడ్ యువర్ బయో అండ్ ఐ read this line which your dad said while you asked him what should i do about it and that at that moment i realized that i wanted to interview you or you know indulge in a podcast with you yeah thank you so much for having me it's it's a pleasure to be here yeah so like when my, one of my friends you know was going through this process she told me that it's very painful for some girls it's immensely painful while her pain was equivalent to a, to an ant's bite so it differs accordingly and she told me that once you come to know about the various processes like they go through some are even some aren't even experienced to do this process she was like you will be terrified to know so let's begin with our podcast and firstly i would like you to tell our audience what so i would want you to tell our audience what female genital mutilation is or female genital cutting as we call it so yeah thank you so female genital cutting is the total or partial removal of female genital organs for non medical reasons so that's really important to remember that it's done so it has no health benefits it's a procedure which is medically unnecessary it's a procedure that is a human rights violation again as um as said by different international and world organizations who have researched on the practice but yeah in an essence fgmc uh, fgm or fgc which both mean the same thing stand for the total or partial removal of female genital organs um there are various types to it also if i'm not wrong Yes so there are four types um type 1 type 2 type 3 and type 4 uh, although every survivor experiences different health implications so what one survivor experiences another might or might not uh, type 3 and type 4 is a severe type of fgmc because in type 3 and type 4 a very small opening is left after the procedure is performed type 1 and type 2 sometimes just include um removing the clitoral hood but in type 3 and type 4 it's also removing the inner and outer portions of the female genital organ uh, so those two labia major and labia minors which is the two most severe types of fgm okay so i wanted to know that what inspired you to spread awareness about fgm and you know how did you kick start your journey Yeah so I'm in my second year now so I'm I'm doing I'm doing an undergraduate law degree at the moment so I'm just in my second year in my first year I was doing a volunteering project where we were raising awareness about honor based violence forced marriages and female genital cutting and through that process i myself learned a lot about female genital cutting that i didn't know before i had heard of the term before but i didn't know the global extent to which it was being done today all over the world and when i was working on that project and when we hosted events or when i told friends that i'm working on this project a lot of people 
first reaction was, oh, what is FGM? Like, I've never heard of it. What is the project? Um, a lot of my close friends and family, even back home, didn't know what FGM was or were unaware and had not heard about it. So a lot of the a lot of my passion to raise awareness for FGM starts from there. Um, it starts from essentially that entire journey of working with that project for a year. And when I had multiple conversations with survivors, with friends, with family, and realized that no one knew that this is happening to one girl every 11 seconds. Um, and I think that statistic, when I first learned of it, I was shocked. Um, that it's something that's such a global concern and there's such an urgent need to end it, but no one, a, a vast majority of the public is unaware about FGC. And so that's where the passion to start Scarlet Iran stems from. Oh, okay. And then you approached your dad, if, if I'm not wrong, like how did yes, you go about it? Yeah, yeah, so I had the idea to start Scarlet Iran and I was having a conversation with my dad and I said, you know, this is happening to one girl every 11 seconds. It's something that I really want to raise awareness about and talk about with university students, especially amongst the youth, because I think as today's youth, we have such a powerful voice in today's society and so much of change making is also being done by youth activists around the globe, like we've seen with Greta, with Malala. And so we were having that conversation and he said, you know, be the change that you want to see in the world. And I think that really inspired me. And um, I wanted to start Scarlet Iran over the summer. So I had multiple conversations even after that with my dad on kind of setting it up, uh, getting people on board, doing all the research. Uh, so yeah, that's how it started. Okay. Um, speaking of the name, Scarlet Udan, where did you come up with this name? Yeah. So when I was interacting with survivors, um, although so much of what they undergo is um, a vast majority of it is severe health implications, but what also comes across is their bravery, their resilience and the process of healing. It shows every time I spoke to a survivor, what also touched me was their kind of process of healing, their journey to continue, uh, their journey on bravery and resilience. So I wanted the organization to also depict all of the resilience that survivors show. Um, so Scarlet is a bright red color, which we interpret as it symbolizes the strength in one's womanhood. And Udan, like we all know, is a Hindi word, which means to fly or to soar. So that's yeah. how the name Scarlet Udan came. Okay. Um, speaking of survivors, as I mentioned before, one of my friends, close friends, has gone through this process and she mentioned while she was in pain, her family was celebrating. So I want to know that why these communities celebrate controlling a woman's sexuality. Like as you mentioned, it's violation of human rights. It has no health benefits. And just to I must say, you know, just to preserve a woman's honor, they cannot go to such an extent. Yeah, um, thank you for sharing that. So I've, I've spoken to survivors um, in the last two months as well who kind of shared a similar story where they underwent um, like a severe type of FGMC. So it was either type three or type four. And then either their aunt or their mother said, 
you know, let's go out for ice cream or there was a celebration after. Um, a lot of people listening to this might be wondering why would communities even perform this in the first place? A lot of communities, there are several reasons. Um, a lot of communities believe that it makes a girl pure. It makes a girl loyal. Um, it's required to be done to preserve, like you said, the family's honor. It's, um, it's done to control female sexuality. Uh, it's done because of all of these reasons that we know is a violation of their human rights. A lot of communities also say that, oh, it's done to like promote our culture. It's done to promote our religion. But none of the holy books mention it. So it's not being propagated by any religion. It's being done across all class systems in the world. And it's a universal problem as well. It's not something that's happening only in Africa or Asia, but also in Europe and the United States. Uh, communities perform it, like I said, due to all of these reasons. The most important one, like you said, is to control female sexuality. A vast amount of communities that are performing this practice are unaware of the health implications the practice would have later on, which is why having conversations on FGM and talking about it is so important. Yeah, like speaking of countries, um, I was reading about the various countries which have strict laws, like which have strict laws against FGM. But there are some countries which do not have any kind of laws against FGM. And in a way, they are allowing the communities to perform FGM. So don't you think that there needs to be a strict law against this practice in all the countries? Yeah, so I think uh, with FGM and particularly with ending FGM, it's, it's in my opinion, a twofold process. The first is educating um, general public across the world. So educating people on what FGM is, um, what, what happens when a woman actually undergoes the practice, what even just educating people on the human rights violation that it is, is I think the first step. So I think education in terms of, health implications of the practice and what FGM is, is the first step. And definitely, like you said, uh, laws are required, uh, not only laws, but also implementation of those laws. Because in a lot of the countries that already have laws, there are still cases of FGM that you would see in the country, which means that A, there isn't um, proper implementation of those laws and B, there isn't there is a lack of law enforcement or even like police intervention in some cases, um, in, especially in cases where they can identify that, you know, there are identifying risks because it, maybe that community practices FGM or the girl is from a practicing community. So I think, like you said, it's a twofold process. And I just wanted to very quickly also mention that India currently has no law against FGM. I think that's something which is very important for everybody listening to this to know that the government of India, even officially, if people just go and Google after this um, episode, FGM in India and government of India's position, you'll realize that um, the government has said it's not something that happens in India, whereas it's happening to 80% of girls from one community. I think that's something that's really important for people to know. Um. I think creating awareness is the need of the year because while I was preparing for this podcast, I was really excited and I was telling everyone that I'm, I'm preparing for female genital 
mutilation topic i like to have a podcast on this topic and they were like what is this topic so most of them well read people were saying things like these so it really becomes a cause of concern a cause that needs to be you know properly put in front of the audience and you know awareness about how this needs to be stopped yeah then speaking of the countries i would want you to name some which have strict laws against fgm but still the practice is going on like there have been cases yeah so um one example that i'd like to give is the united kingdom so the uk has a law that bans fgm in the uk but what started happening was communities would take the girl abroad so they would say oh we're going on a holiday and they would take the girl abroad and then perform the procedure in a country where you still can uh, because that country might not have a law um there are still 1 137000 cases of fgm in the uk even though in 2014 they introduced a law to ban uh, families from taking the girl abroad to perform the procedure uh, the uk is an example even in the us um there are currently 11 states that don't have any laws but the other states that do have laws as well there are still in total there are 500000 number of girls in the us that have just undergone fgm um which are the areas where fgm is practiced the most um so there is uh, a lack of data on kind of statistics because there's not been enough investment in researching data um on fgm it's widely prevalent across 92 countries so it's something that's happening in 92 countries so we can't so you wouldn't be able to find like you know maybe like five countries that it's happening the most in because it's still happening in 92 countries and i think even one girl is too many um but yeah it's it's a practice that is happening in 92 countries across the world some countries have a prevalence rate of more than 80% which means 80% of that girls from a community or that country would be subject to the cut i personally feel that some women fear that failing to get their daughters and granddaughters cut it will lead to social exclusion they won't be accepted in the community or you know their daughters won't be pure enough as they call it to perform a ritual you know to get married is it so no so um like i said before all of the all of the reasons by which communities practice fgm it's it's a form of violence against women it's a form of discrimination against women and it's a violation of their human rights a lot of the reasons by which communities perform fgm is like you said all of these cultural reasons um sense of belongingness social acceptance for marriage controlling female sexuality but in reality a lot of people are unaware about the health implications this would have on a woman um especially because it's violence against women it's a form of gender based violence so it's something that shouldn't be done and shouldn't be it's it's something that mothers aunts relatives neighbors perform like they they want their girls to undergo it so it's something that shouldn't be happening and i think everyone who's listening to this should raise awareness in your community on fgm yeah um while again i was preparing for this i read one of the articles last night and this lady made this statement who asked these communities 
to put a woman's honor in her vagina and that statement completely moved me like a woman's honor is only and only limited to her vagina if she is a virgin she is pure and if she goes through this process um then as you said there would be you know socially ex- she would be socially acceptable and she would get married and the society won't have anything against her but if they refuse to this practice then they might face social exclusion so speaking of the next part there was this african lady who has gone through this process and she stated in her area one blade was used on 30 ladies so this really wanted me to question the sanitation and the hygiene practice of this process so um i think what i'd like to say here is with respect to the 30 girls undergoing this at the same time this is something that happens in a lot of communities that practice fgm so often a mother would tell her neighbor that i have five girls i'm going to get them subjected to the cut tomorrow and i'm calling a cut at home and then the neighbor would say oh i have three girls i'm going to get um you know i want them to undergo the procedure as well and what happens in these situations is communities perform this um like i said with all of the reasons that we discussed but communities start performing it together and fgm in any situation like whether it's uh, in fact doctors have started performing it which is called medicalization of fgm which the world health organization has condemned it's something that shouldn't be happening cuz just any form of um violence um and removal of your female genital organ is a form of violence against women um which has severe health implications um so yeah like i said it's it's something that shouldn't be happening by anyone whether it's a traditional cutter even doctors shouldn't be doing so i think there should be a lot of awareness especially in the medical profession about fgm because it's being performed by even doctors which is so shocking to hear i'm speaking of performing this process i even read that those elderly women of the communities perform this process they aren't even medically trained they don't have even any kind of practice like firstly this shouldn't be happening not at any cost and secondly some women who don't even have proper practice or something like that are going ahead with this process so i would want you to tell our listeners that what are the health complications that women face because of female genital mutilation so some of the health implications of this practice include so there are um, mental health implications as well so there would be depression anxiety um some experience post traumatic stress disorder some of the short term health implications include fracture or dislocation of limbs um there's also severe bleeding after the procedure is performed some of the long term implications can include um painful menstruation painful urination uti complications in pregnancy or infertility um uh, but every survivor has different health implications um so no every survivor is different and they should be treated as um having their own experiences with fgm but um this is just a broad generalization of what they undergo yeah as we have come across the word survivor 
i would like you to tell our listeners about koda ali um she's one of the survivors of female genital mutilation so why don't you tell us about her like i was really moved when i read about her that how she's fighting and she's such a strong lady so i would want everyone to know yeah so we did a we did a webinar with um hoda um hoda is a world renowned human rights activist she's a nurse by profession um she's doing incredible work in raising awareness on fgm in the uk and globally uh she is such an inspiring woman to listen to we did a webinar with her where she shared her journey of how she underwent the cut at the age of um 7 and you can watch the webinar on our um instagram page or youtube we've uploaded a full clip of it um where hoda shares her journey of undergoing fgm and how she became an activist and how she's campaigning to protect millions of girls and women all across the world she's truly an inspiration um she's done incredible work in the uk with working with she's a co-founder of vavengers which is um a charity in the uk short for vagina avengers that are raising awareness on fgm in the uk uh, i would also you know want to know that what is the common age group in which you know females are subjected to this cuts uh, yeah so if for uh, it can be up from the time that they're born till infancy or during between the ages of even 7 till the onset of puberty so between the ages of even 7 to 15 or 16 and have you come across any case where you know this this particular female opposed this practice and had to face severe consequences uh, we we do a lot of work on raising awareness on fgc so we have had survivors um message us and get in touch to share their story uh the survivors we have interacted with unfortunately underwent the practice uh so most of the survivors that we've spoken with and underwent this at a young age but are now all campaigning for these girls and women and are doing incredible activism all over the world again coming to my friend like she told me about her experience and she told me that while i was going through this process i was asking my mom again and again that why are we doing it and there were people present it was not like you know a silent ritual or you know something sacred it was happening in front of 100 women so she she told me this that if you try to oppose this your mom will tell you you want do you want to get pure or not this question left her no choice like she had to go through the process because she again thought that going through this process will make me pure i think this is something that is being conditioned that as you said sense of belonging uh, marriage socially acceptable marriage and yeah accepted by the community So I think isn't this being conditioned into young girls that this process is right and you have to go through it? So um, female genital cutting is a practice that is done um, when performed is done behind closed doors is done in secrecy. It's a it's a it's a practice after which a lot of survivors are told by their um, mothers or relatives to not tell anyone what what has just happened or what they've undergone for a lot of survivors it also becomes a repressed memory later on uh, the the only way that we can change mindsets on fgc and educate people is by raising awareness on the practice so is by talking about what actually happens to girls and women 
who have undergone FGC, what are the lifelong health implications? A lot of survivors share their story across the world where uh, I've heard a survivor story where a survivor was talking about once you undergo the cut, there's no coming back. Um, so I think it's really important that we change mindsets and educate people on the practice because I think that's a very powerful way of normalizing conversations on it and even bringing about a change. I remember when I that would make me cry a river. So I must say that these girls are really strong and fierce. Again, I was reading about this girl on your page itself. She said that she doesn't want anyone else to go through this, what she has gone through. You stated that she was your inspiration. I couldn't recall her name right now. But yeah, so I loved her line that I, nobody should go through what I have gone through. And I am creating a ladder and they will step on it by climbing on me. I would want you to, our listeners, to know the ways in which you are trying to create awareness, like the different ways you are opting for. Yeah, so um, so for, at Scarlet Rodan, we have four social media pages. So we're doing online activism by creating educational posts on FGM. So on our Instagram page, for example, you can find posts on what is FGM, what are the different types, why do communities perform it, where is it happening across the world. We've curated a range of educational posts on our page. So that's something you can follow to uh, stay updated with new content on FGM. We also have a podcast where we invite professionals, activists, uh, survivors, doctors to talk about FGM. You can find that on iTunes or Google Podcasts or Spotify as well. It's called the Scarlet Adan Podcast. We also do a range of events in collaboration with other organizations and societies. And um, in addition to that, we're uh, also doing a read, watch and listen campaign on FGC where we share our recommendations on what you can read or what you can watch to learn more about FGC. Um, speaking of Scarlet Oran, I would want you to tell me that during spreading awareness about female genital mutilation or female genital cutting, did you face any obstacles or, you know, any kind of problems that you have gone through? Yeah, I think, um, so we do, we also do a lot of training sessions where we host webinars at universities, at high schools, uh, with clubs, societies to talk about uh, FGC with the youth today. And I think something that I have faced is not a lot of interaction with males. Um, there's not been, so every time I, for, during some instances, um, I've had interactions where I've said the word female genital mutilation and, you know, they said, oh, but what's that got to do with me or how does that concern me? Uh, so sometimes there have been uh, males who have been, who have been reluctant to talk about the issue. Um, I think that's been a challenge, but um, every time that we do an awareness session, I think we've seen more progress on uh, both and all genders interacting with us and um, talking about the issue. But yeah, that was something which has been an initial hindrance and we're continuing to uh, speak to men about the practice and actively even include men in uh, the movement of ending FGC because I think that's really important to do. Yeah, um, truly said. So I personally believe that 
one should be the change that he or she wishes to see in the world and if you want to stand up against something or for something it should be you yourself doing something about it because a lot of people say about a lot of things but there are very few people who actually go through and who actually do something about it thank you so much sanya i loved talking to you thank you so much for being with us on do with lit yeah thank you so much for having me um it's it's been great to be here before we end i just like to uh, say a couple of things if you're listening to this you can help us end fgc by talking about it with your friends and family you can also follow us cuz we regularly host events on fgc so if you want to learn more um you can follow us get in touch with us we have tons of events planned on fgc where you can learn more on it and i think most importantly what you should do is write to your government officials your leaders your representatives send them an email send them a letter ask them what's being done to end fgm and ask them to invest in resources to end fgm uh, something i'd like to leave everybody with is 200 million girls women and non binary individuals have undergone fgc across the world and every 11 seconds this is happening to somebody so if you didn't know about it before um and are keen on joining the end fgc movement what you can do is raise awareness on fgc in your close circle i think that will go a long way in normalizing conversations on it and even ending the practice yeah thank you so much for having me